Hey, I'm Pastor Brian. It's good to be with you today. Um, we're starting a brand new series, as you can see on the screen, on the book of Jonah. Now, when you think about Jonah, if you grew up in the church at all like I did, you probably have this image burned into your mind of this, this guy sitting inside of a whale, like at a desk with an oil lamp, and he's writing the book of Jonah. Is it just me, or is that is that what you think of too? I've got that... I know I saw that somewhere when I was six years old, and I still think of that. So my apologies that we don't have that image for our series graphic. We couldn't find it. But we're going to study the book of Jonah. A little bit about this book. If you have your Bible or a Bible app, you can turn there now. It's in the Old Testament, and it's actually in the section in the Old Testament that we call the prophets. You know, the Bible is organized kind of like a library. It's organized into categories of books. The first five books are called the Pentateuch. They're, they're the, the books that Moses wrote. And then the next books in the Old Testament are the historical books, like Kings and Chronicles and things like that. And then the next section of books in the Old Testament, anyone want to guess? Psalms, Proverbs, what would that be called? Anyone? Wisdom books, good, or poetry books. So that's the next section, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And then the final section in the Old Testament would be called the, the prophets. We have the minor prophets and the major prophets. And that's all just because of the size of the book that they wrote. And Jonah is one of the minor prophets because the book of Jonah is only four chapters long. So I'm, I'm stalling for you so you have, a time, you have time to find it in your Bibles or your Bible apps because it takes a while. Bible app, it's easy, but if you have an actual Bible, it's hard because it's, it's pretty quick. You can, you can thumb past it pretty fast. So even though the story of Jonah, if you know the story, and we're going to get into it in the next five weeks, but the story of Jonah is familiar to a lot of us, and we would think of it, it's almost like a, it, it almost reads like a parable more than anything. And it, so it makes it very unique among the, the books of all the prophets because books like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, those are they're not short, sweet, memorable stories. It's all kinds of uh, language about like God's, God's prophets calling out to the people and, and, and reprimanding them for the sin and for their sin and all that kind of stuff. And so Jonah really is a very unique book in the Bible because Jonah was a prophet, but his book reads like a story. Okay? And here's the big idea. Here's where we're going throughout the series. The big idea in the book of Jonah. The story is actually about the God of miracles. Now, obviously, you know the miracle about Jonah being in the belly of a fish for three days, and we'll get into that. But it's more than that miracle. It's all kinds of miracles. The biggest miracle being that God is willing to let everyone off the hook for their sins. See what we did there? You like that? Yeah, some of you are like morons. <laughs> What we're going to notice in the story of Jonah is every character that we meet in this short book, every single character, including Jonah, sins, makes a mistake, makes bad choices. Every single one. Jonah, probably more than anyone. And in every single instance, God lets him off the hook. In every single instance, God forgives them. In every instance, God gives him a second chance. So just stop for a second as we're thinking about this over the next five weeks, applying it to our own lives. Just stop and think about it in your life. Have you ever sinned 
Have you ever run from God? Have you ever made a bad choice? Then this story's for you. You'll find something in the story of Jonah for you because you're going to find out about God. The story of Jonah is actually the story of God, just like the whole Bible. The Bible's about God. It's, it, might, it might have other characters that come in and out of the story along the way, but the whole story of the Bible is about God, and it's about you and me. And more particularly, it's about how God views you and me, how God, what God thinks about you and me, how, how, God, how God feels about us, and how willing he is to forgive us when we mess up. And we're going to see that all over the book of Jonah. In fact, kind of the theme verse for Jonah comes from the last chapter in the book, Jonah 4.2. So we'll look at it real quick. And then we'll see it again later on in the series. Jonah says this, speaking to God, I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. That's a, that's a summary of what the book of Jonah is about. That's a summary of what the Bible's about. That God is for you, not against you. If you're here today and you feel like, I don't, I don't you know, I'm a little bit afraid to be here that the walls might fall, fall in on me because I'm a sinner and I'm here and, I, and I, my kind of people don't normally come here. I just want to say your kind of people do come here. We're all broken. We're all lost. We're all sinners. That's why I'm wearing my Bears jersey today. Because the Bible says that the, that the bears are God's team. Now, you guys might not know that, but there's a verse in the Bible that talks about the first will be last and the last will be first. And so that they're talking about the bears. Um, it's actually tailgate Sunday at our Leighton campus, so they're all wearing their favorite jersey. And, and this is good. It's going to come in because, because it, in the first service in Leighton this morning, I was there, and several of us are Bears fans, and so we're, we proudly and... and shamefully wear our Bears jerseys. And then there's, a, there's another guy there, Austin, our massive youth leader at the Layton campus who's a Packers fan. So he's sitting there right in the middle as I'm preaching the whole time. He's, he's got his Packers jersey on right there. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you how that relates to the sermon today because that does relate as we get into Jonah chapter 1. We're going to talk about when Jonah ran. And what, what I want to do today because some of you aren't familiar with the story, and so I think it'd be helpful for you to have context. And so we're going to just let somebody read the story this morning on the screen for us. It's 17 verses, Jonah chapter 1. You can follow along. We're reading the NLT, and here it is. Hi, Alpine Church. Today's scripture is Jonah chapter 1, which says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. 
Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. That's chapter one. And what we're gonna do today is we're gonna, we're gonna pull out four lessons I think we can learn and apply to our own lives about the story of Jonah. Again, probably for many of you, you read that, you say, that's really an interesting story, but who cares? How does that apply to my life? And there's four things that we learn. Number one, sometimes we love God's messaging and we run to him. Now, obviously in Jonah chapter one, we're gonna see Jonah running from God, but most people don't realize that we meet Jonah earlier in the Old Testament Jonah appears twice in the Old Testament, and he also appears in the New Testament. We'll get into that in week five. But in the Old Testament, he appears twice, obviously in the book of Jonah that bears his name. But before that, we see him in the book of 2 Kings, and we learn a little bit of context in 2 Kings, and it's really interesting to read it. It comes in verse, or chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. It says that Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath Hefer. So this is the guy, right? We see that Jonah introduces himself, and it's the same guy, same dad, same region. It said, For the Lord saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel, and that there was no one in Israel, slave or free, to help them. So pay attention to that passage. Here's what it says. That Jonah's first message to the people of Israel was that God was going to keep his promise and recover the territories that Israel had lost. Okay, for those of you who are not Hebrew scholars, let me just real quick catch you up on what's going on here. Israel, the people of God in the Old Testament, the story of Israel that started with Abraham and we, we learn about it through Moses and then King Saul and King David and King David's son Solomon. If you know some of those stories, right? Israel was a great nation under King David and under King Solomon. But once King Solomon died, Israel split into two nations, the north and the south, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. So a lot of times when you're reading the Old Testament, you have to pay attention that when they're, when they're talking about Israel and Judah, usually they're talking about the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Jonah was a prophet to the north. He was a prophet to the northern kingdom. 
The northern kingdom, by the time Jeroboam II came along, he was the 13th king of the northern kingdom. Jeroboam I was the first king. So Jeroboam II was 13 kings later. The Bible says that every single king of the northern kingdom did evil in the sight of the Lord. Every single king, no exception. Everyone was bad. And so here's what's interesting is Jonah comes along and the first time God gives him an assignment is to go to Jeroboam II and to speak to him and to say, in spite of 13 kings doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in spite of all of your evil, all of your bad choices, in spite of all of that, God is going to keep his promises. He's going to stop your suffering at least for a little while. And he's going to restore the territories that you lost, that Israel lost. So just imagine this from Jonah's perspective. This was a great message. Most of God's prophets didn't get to bring good messages, but Jonah, Jonah got to bring a good message. He was the most popular guy in the north. He was the guy that you'd be buying drinks for if he showed up in your town. You're like, Jonah, hey, come on over. Rounds are on me. Jonah's here. This is the guy that got to tell us that in spite of how bad we are as a people, that God was going to be gracious to us. So here's the first example that we see of God being gracious to somebody who screwed up. Now keep that in mind because we're going to see that thread running throughout the book of Jonah and throughout the Bible and throughout your life and my life. Like God is gracious in spite of our screw-ups. And so we see that the first message is a good message and Jonah loved that one. He didn't, he didn't, we don't see here that Jonah was like, no, no, God, sorry, I don't want to bring that message. Like, yeah, heck yeah, I'll bring that message. You know, for us, we, there are sometimes when we're reading the Bible or you're at church or you're listening to a, a podcast, there's some things that God speaks to us that we love, that, that, that it's the good news, it's the stuff that we want to hear. And to be sure, there's a lot of good news in the Bible. John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in the Bible is a perfect example. It's the good news that, that God loved the world, that God gave his one and only son so that any one of us who would believe in him wouldn't die in our sins, but we'd have everlasting life. Like, that's good news. We, that's why it's such a famous verse. It really encapsulates God's heart. And we love to collect all the good news. We hang it on plaques on our kitchen walls, right? Think about what's in, what's in your home right now if you've got some plaques in there. It's probably, it probably has words like good, like God is good. It probably has words like blessings. Nobody has plaques on their wall about the bad news in the Bible, right? Nobody has a plaque that says, you shall all be cursed, you know? It, nobody, I don't, I've never seen, all the times I've visited my Christian friends, I've never seen the verse on the wall, it is appointed once for man to die and then to face the judgment. I don't see that one on plaques because we don't put bad news on the walls. We put the good stuff on the walls, the, prom, the good stuff, the stuff that, the warm and fuzzy stuff, the stuff that makes us feel good. And again, there's so much of that in the Bible. There's so much good news in the Bible. I want you to hear that first and foremost before you get to the rest of it. God loves you. He's for you. He cares about you. If you've screwed up, join the party. We've all screwed up. God still wants a relationship with you. That's the good news. And Jonah got to be the bearer of the good news in his first calling. And then we open the book of Jonah and we get to see that he, there's another story. Because in Jonah, he's the bearer of the bad news. 
So sometimes we reject God's messages and we want to run from them. Sometimes we read something and we don't like it. Sometimes you're, you're reading that Bible verse and you say, I reject that. I do not like the sound of that one. Can I keep the good ones and throw out the bad ones? Can I have God my way? Like Burger King, the old Burger King commercials have it your way, where they said you could drive up. I don't think you could do this anymore, but you could drive up to the drive-thru and say, hey, I want a Whopper, but hold the onions. Or I want a Whopper, extra onions, please. You know, I don't have any friends. Come on, it's supposed to be a little bit funny. Um, this is kind of how, sometimes this is kind of how we treat God. We're, we're like, God, I, I like this stuff that you're saying, but I, I want to reject this stuff you're saying. I don't like this stuff, the suffering stuff, or the sin stuff. I, can I just throw this stuff out, and can I keep this stuff? And we see that in the story of Jonah, because, because when we open up Jonah chapter 1, it says, the Lord God gave this message now to Jonah, son of Amittai, and pay attention to the message. He says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. It says, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. That's such a fun word. Good. Later on, you could say that word. Not now, but later on, you could say that word. He bought a ticket, he went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord. Now, I want you to just think about this for a second, because at first glance, I read this, and I don't really understand why Jonah doesn't like this message. The Ninevites were the bad guys. Nineveh was a great city of the, of the nation of Assyria. Spoiler alert, Assyria ends up being the nation that destroys the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom in 722 B.C. is absolutely obliterated and is no more. 722 BC, Assyria is the nation that does it. So Assyria, bad guys. Like the Packers. Think of it like that. Like good guys, God's team, Packers, bad guys, right? So here's what I don't understand is why, why does Jonah not like the message? It would be like God saying to me, Brian, I'm sending you to Green Bay last week for that game, and you get to go in there and tell Aaron Rodgers he's going to lose. You get to go and be the, like, you, you guys are going to be destroyed by the Bears. Now, imagine it happened like that, which it didn't. But in my story, it's going to because God's going to make it happen. It's a miracle, right? God's a miracle-working God. Like, if God would have said that, I'd be like, I am, like, sign me up. I am all over that. Like, I want that message. I would love to be the bearer of bad news to my enemies. You're telling me I get the thumbs up to go pick a fight with my enemies and you're going to back me up? I'm all over that. So, again, when I, at first when I read that, I'm like, why would Jonah not want to do that? But chapter 4 tells us why. It's the verse we just saw. It was Jonah telling God why he didn't want to go in the first place. Remember what we just read? He said, I know you're compassionate and gracious and slow to anger. And I know, I know that you're the kind of God that will forgive someone, even my enemies. And Jonah wasn't good with that. Now just hold on for a second. Second Kings tells us that Jonah had this message to Israel and he was all over the message to Israel that God is forgiving and gracious and compassionate and slow to get angry. And isn't this like us? 
that we love for God to treat us with compassion and mercy, we're sinners too, right? We're sinners. Israel was sinning. 13 kings that did evil in the sight of the Lord. Israel was sinning and they were getting the just dessert for their sins. But Jonah comes in and says, God is gonna bless you in spite of you and he's good with that, but he doesn't wanna go to the enemies of Israel and give the same message. He doesn't want them to receive God's forgiveness and mercy and compassion. He just wants to receive it. Isn't that just how we work? So see, sometimes we, we run from God's message because we want it our way. We, we, want, we want the whopper our way. And we, want, we love God treating us kindly, but we don't want him to treat our enemies kindly. A good exercise for us in our small groups this week, and I hope you join a small group. This is a great series to join a small group for, to talk about this, because even as we're going through these points today, there's probably, you're probably thinking, man, I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. And I encourage you to join a small group or talk about this with your family or with a mentor. When's the last time God said something that you didn't like and you wanted to run from it? You, 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 you want God on your terms, not on his terms. And I think we all have a lot of examples of that. Here's the third thing we learn. Our bad choices don't just affect us. They create collateral damage. People get hurt on the fringes of the story. We don't mean to hurt people when we make bad choices, but it's just kind of what happens, and we see that in Jonah's story. Let's go back to that text, verses four and five. It says, the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. The ship that Jonah got on in Joppa to head to Tarshish, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted their gods for help. Notice lowercase g. They were Phoenicians, so they served all these other gods who weren't really gods. So they, they believed in a god of the sea. They believed in the god of the land. And so they figured that somebody must have done something to make the god of the sea angry. And so they were, it's kind of like sacrificing, like, here, here, we're sorry, we're sorry. So they're throwing their stuff out. Their stuff. Like their, their clothes and their, and their food and their all the stuff that they're probably bringing to sell in Tarshish. I'm going to say Tarshish as much as I can. Because it's a fun word. Have I mentioned that? You can't. I'm going to say it as much as I can. So here they're losing, they're losing, they're losing their minds. They're anxious. They're fearful. They're desperate. They, they're losing their stuff. They don't get any of their stuff back at the end of the story. This is called collateral damage. They didn't ask for Jonah to come on board. They had no idea about Jonah. They didn't know they were in Jonah's story. They didn't want to be in Jonah's story. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't want to suffer for his sins. They didn't do anything wrong. They're innocent. They're, it's funny. They're the only innocent people in the whole story. The sailors are the only. Now, they're not Christian. They're not followers of God, but they're the only innocent people in the whole story. And we see that they end up getting punished because some random guy gets on their ship. Now think about this in your life just for a second. There's two things you could be thinking. Number one is you could be thinking about some random person that showed up in your story and you're suffering because of it. You know, Mercy Fernandez didn't ask for that 
F-350 to T-bone her in her car. If you heard the story, and I hope you're praying for, for Mercy and for Joseph and for Elise. Because they're all, thank God, their lives are spared. Thank God that they're, they're, they've just, they have some broken bones and some bruises, right? Our, some of our worship team members. But they didn't ask for that guy to come T-bone them. Their collateral damage because of that story, whatever his story, we don't even know his story, whatever his story was, he made a mistake, they're paying for it. That's what's going on with the sailors. They're like, I didn't ask for this. Now, some of you might be thinking, I've created some collateral damage. I've, do, I've made some poor choices and now my wife or my, my kids are suffering because of it. So some of you might be thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm the... I'm the bad guy in my story. I'm the Jonah who showed up and, and all these other people in my world didn't really ask for this, but they're suffering because of it. That's just the principle of this story is that, and this is just how life works, is sometimes our bad choices affect more people than just us. But thank God there's one more dot. You see that fourth dot there? There's one more point. And I want to end with this, and this is, this is kind of where chapter one ends, is that God is always at work, whether we're running to him or from him. So we're going to see that even in the sailor's story, we're going to see that that collateral damage, God could do something good with it. It doesn't have to be all bad stuff. It doesn't have to be all bad news. Maybe you didn't notice this in verse 16, so I want to show it to you again. It says that the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So again, here's what happened. Jonah wait, finally wakes up from his slumber and he, and he sees this crazy storm and he realizes they're like freaking out trying to do everything they can to, to appease the God of the sea and Jonah's like, dudes, it's my fault. What do you mean? What did you do? He's like, well, look, I'm a Hebrew. I serve the one true God. Go back and read it for yourself. He said, the God of the land and the sea. So Jonah's like, there's actually only one God, and he's the God that I serve. I'm a prophet for him, and I'm running from him, and that's why this sea is raging. It's my fault. Throw me in. And even, even the sailors are like, no, no, we don't want to throw you in. They're like rowing really hard. They're doing everything they can to not have to throw him in. But finally they realize, all right, we'll throw you in. As soon as they throw him in, as soon as he hits the water, the sea goes calm. And this is what it says, verse 16. They realize that the God of Jonah is the real God. They realize that the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, they were awestruck by the Lord's great power. It's interesting because earlier they said, who is your God, lowercase g, because that's what they were thinking. You just have a God, lowercase g God like we do. And now it says they were awestruck by the Lord's great power, uppercase. They realized that he's the real God and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Here's the cool part of the story. God used this terrible choice on Jonah's part. God used the sin of Jonah to reveal himself to people who would otherwise not have known him. So God uses the bad stuff to do good stuff. And that's just how he works. He's going to be sovereign over your story and my story no matter what we do. He's going to be sovereign whether we run from him 
or whether we run to him. And it's true, sometimes we're running from God and sometimes we're running to God, but I encourage you to take stock in your own life and say, what are some times in my life where I made poor decisions and yet God did something good because of it? I'm not saying people didn't suffer, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying God still ended up doing something good because of it. That's just how God works. We see this principle in the New Testament. I want to put it side by side with Jonah 1.16 because Jonah 1.16 is Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 in the New Testament, Paul writes, and we know that God causes everything. And if you have Bibles, I encourage you to circle it or underline it. You can do that. You don't get extra credit for not having written in your Bible by the end of your life. You can mark them up. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Remember, Jonah, at the beginning of the story, is called according to God's purpose, and Jonah ran. Jonah disobeyed. Jonah said no. And God used that. That's part of everything. Everything is our good choices, and everything is also our bad choices. God uses everything. He uses our good choices, and he even uses our bad choices because he's sovereign. He uses all of this stuff, good and bad, to work together. I wish we could somehow see this, but it's kind of like if you imagine good and bad choices up here, he uses all of this. It's like God can see all of it, and he kind of weaves them together, good and bad, he spins this all, all together. He gets it all. It's all this chaos. It would, in our minds, it would seem like chaos. Like, how could God do that with all these people in the world? How could God do this? How could God work our good and our bad together for the good of those who know him and are called according to his purposes? I don't know how he can. He's just sovereign and he does. That's just how God works. We see that in the story of Jonah. These sailors end up worshiping the God of Jonah, their lives will never be the same again. I want to encourage you today, as we're just kicking off this series, I want to encourage you today to think about this in your own life. How is, how is God using a storm maybe in your life right now? Maybe you feel like that's where I am. I'm in a storm right now. How is God using that storm for his good purposes? Because he can. He wants to. He will. Now we see at the end of this story, Jonah ends up, in the, in the belly of the fish. By the way, it doesn't say whale. It says fish. Also, by the way, there's no indication that Jonah even knows it. And we'll see that next week. Because next week we're going to look at his prayer from inside the fish. But it actually seems like he, does, he never mentions the fish, so he doesn't even know he's in there. He, he probably thinks he's dead. He thinks he's in Sheol, the place of the dead. We'll get into all that next week and see how Jonah responds in his prayer of repentance and what God will do with a prayer of repentance. So I hope you'll come back for that. But for, for today, for now, I want to encourage you to think about what is God using in your life, maybe a storm in your life, maybe some disobedience in your life, but he wants to use it for his good. And let's ask him to do that. Let's pray together.